welcome to the Stalk and I podcast for single women considering solo motherhood by donor conception. I'm your host, Mel Johnson, the solo motherhood coach and solo mum to a three-year-old daughter. We're a series one of the podcast focused on making the decision to become a solo mum. Series two is covering the process itself. Each week, I'll chat to a different guest to cover each step of the process of becoming a solo mum. In today's episode, I talked to Becky from Defining Mum. Becky has three gorgeous girls with her husband, who she conceived using donor eggs in the Czech Republic. We have a chat all about the considerations when deciding whether to use donor eggs on your path to parenthood. Hi Becky, thank you so much for joining on the podcast today. Today's episode is all around donor eggs. Now, I know that you um, are not a solo mum, so you have a husband, but you have used donor eggs and I know that you have lots of information about this subject. So I thought it'd be really useful um, for the Stork and I listeners to hear um, your journey and what you've created to support other people. So um, do you want to just share a bit about your personal story before we get into um, questions for solo mums? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Becky um, and I founded Defining Mum just over two years ago now. Um, and it was when I was in my late 20s when um, my husband and I decided we wanted to try for a baby, thinking it was going to be quite easy, um, as you always do. And um, yeah, things just didn't quite go to plan. And it was after about half a year when I started to have some tests because I was suffering from um, night sweats. My periods were very, very frequent. I was having them about every 12 to 14 days, which didn't give me enough time to make a baby. Um, And so, yeah, I went to the GP, was pushed away a few times and told you very, you're still young. I was 27 at the time. and it was after a few um, tests, so I had some blood tests run that it showed that my FSH was high, so my follicle stimulating hormone was high. Um, and it was on the back of that that I went went to see a private specialist who um, ran an anti-malarian hormone test, so an AMH test. And that showed that my egg reserve was very, very low. So my reserve was probably similar to somebody who was in their mid to late 40s. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite a, a big bit of news to take take in. Um, we were left with some hope that it would work with my eggs because um, of my age. And so we went straight into IVF. Um, we went through five rounds of IVF with my own eggs, um, only retrieving, the maximum was three eggs on a cycle. Um, the first cycle actually resulted in a pregnancy. Um, and we thought, oh, not so difficult. Um, but that sadly ended in a miscarriage at eight weeks. So yeah, it was over a period of about 18 months really where we went through the cycle after cycle, grieving each cycle and started to come to the realization that it may not happen with my eggs. Um, and it was that, um, stage of grieving really around the loss of potentially my genetics, um, not only for me, but also for my husband as well. Um, he took longer than I did, actually. Um, I was more ready to go down the donor egg route um, probably a good few months before him. And so we we had to have some pretty difficult conversations um, about what that meant. And after a few cycles, I finally kind of 
came to a point where I thought I just can't keep doing this um, financially, emotionally. Um, my mental health was really struggling um, and we were just not getting any closer um, every time we tried. So we made the decision to go down the donor egg route. Um, part of that decision making uh, was helped by meeting somebody else who'd used donor eggs and I was able to start visualising um, what their bond was, what their relationship was like and it kind of it flipped a switch in my brain away from what I was losing in terms of the connection, genetics, being able to see myself in a child and started to get me to think about what I would still gain by being able to carry a child, being able to give birth and nurture them right from day one um, and do all of the things that mums do, <laughs> the pickups from the playground that I'm now really, really grateful and lucky to be able to do. And it, that was the stage where I started to feel a bit more excited about it and hopeful. And so after five cycles in the UK, we um, made the decision to go abroad. We went to the Czech Republic um, and it all happened quite quickly, really. It, within two months, we were out there having an embryo transfer. We were really lucky to have five embryos from our donor with my husband's sperm. And we had one put back and that was successful. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we realized that the problem was my eggs. <laughs> um, and, yeah, nine months later, I gave birth to Mila, who is now my eldest. So Mila is now um, four. And then we went back a year later when she turned one. Um, just to try again for a sibling we thought maybe it's going to take a little bit longer we, we were very lucky the first time so we'll start early um, and we actually had two embryos put back that time um, and we had twins as a result so out of our donors eggs we've had three out of three in terms of success um, and the reason I started sharing my story was because I kind of after I'd had um, my twins, I, I suddenly started to think about how alone I felt on the journey, how I'd not come across anybody else really who was speaking openly about it. I looked at my girls and I thought, I want you to live in a world where people talk about this form of conception and people are um, comfortable talking about it, that they can share their conception story without being met with blank faces and people going, hmm, that's a bit odd. Um, and so I started a blog, <laughs> which was Defining Mum. And the reason for the name Defining Mum was because the, the whole decision was made around me redefining what it meant to be a mum, away from the stereotypical kind of society's dream of you looking like your child. Um, and, and I suppose for solo mums as well, who have already had to kind of redefine what parenthood would look like based on what what you've already imagined it's kind of then to be told that you need to use donor eggs that's a whole other layer of having to think about okay this is different again from how I'd imagined it, it would be and it's something you never really give great thought to when you're growing up and you imagine yourself with a child but deep down I'd all already pictured my child looking like me and um being a, a real mini version of me I'm so similar to my mom everyone always speaks about it and I just imagine that that's how it would be with my child and and I think talking about defining motherhood what I've learned over the past four years as a mom is that there is so much more that goes into shaping a person than just their genetics and, and genetics are important but 
I see myself in Mila, especially now that she's four, in so many other ways, in her mannerisms, the way she speaks, the way she even interacts with other people. And my mum said to me recently that she's just like me when I started school, the way she's approached it and, and how she's been. And, and you do start to realise that there are other ways you can influence your child. And, and just because you don't share genetics doesn't mean that you won't have that important role in their life so so yeah that's my story in a nutshell and um, I'm happy to expand on any of that amazing so many questions so I think um the first point you made I think was that you um were told that you were still young and this is such a common theme um I think a lot of um single women say that and a lot of them are being told by their friends you know you're still really young give it time Um, and I think your story is a good one just to re-emphasize if you are worried um, go and get it checked because then you can get more facts more information and 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 that just gives you more information about what next steps you might want to take so uh, would you advise people to go and get the fertility test done absolutely one of my the biggest things I always say to people is be your own advocate because it's so important to you it's not as important to the GP who you're going to see who's seeing countless people each day um, and having to prioritize I think if you if it's important to you to have a baby knowing what I know now about fertility and how it isn't a guarantee um, it's not all about just trying not to get pregnant it's about actually it's pretty hard to get pregnant um, and yeah, if I hadn't have pushed, um, and, and actually I was told by my GP that my results were fine. Um, and it, through a text message, it just said, results normal, um, come back if you need to in the future. And it was only because I had a little niggle and I'd been researching, I just wanted to see my results. So I asked for a copy and I basically self-diagnosed because they'd missed it and hadn't seen that the results were outside of the normal range. And, wow. and so... I just, maybe it's that, but I've always had a, a lack of trust in, and I just like to make sure that I fully understand. And I think that never be apologetic for asking questions. It's your life and it's your future. And I kind of think back and I think, oh, if I hadn't have pushed those things and carried on for another couple of years, I mean, I probably would have still ended up going down the donor egg route, but it would have been a, a, a lot longer period of heartache and a lot longer time of not being able to be a mum. So... So yeah, absolutely. I think ask questions, be your own advocate and um, don't be apologetic for it. Yeah, excellent. Um, and then the other thing you said was that um, your husband took, um, you know, a, a long time to get his head around it. I think that's a really important point um, for solo mums, because I think so often we think um, we've had to go through a whole journey of thinking, should we do this on our own? And some people make that decision quite easily, but many people um, have to debate with themselves you know, should I use donor sperm? What's the impact of the child? Is this the right route for me? Will I be able to manage? And then what sometimes happens is that you make that decision and you start the journey. And then the very first thing that happens is somebody gives you the test results and says, actually, your fertility is not good for your age. You've got a low chance of getting pregnant with your own eggs. You might want to consider donor eggs. Now, that's a really difficult decision for someone who's already decided that they need to use donor sperm. But 
they only have themselves to make the decision. So how was it having two of you having to make the decision? It, it was really tough. And you know what? I look back now and I think I probably didn't think about him as much as I <laughs> probably should have because it was all about me at the time. And it felt I was grieving the loss of my genetics. And it's only now I look back and I heard him reflect on it that actually he was also grieving the vision of a child he thought we'd have that would be part me, part him. And when I first heard about the idea of donor eggs, I mean, I'd never even considered that people actually donated eggs before I was told myself. It, it, that's how little it's talked about. Um, it felt like such an alien concept. And the first thing I thought was, what, so you're going to mix my husband's sperm with another woman's eggs and I'm going to carry it. And, and it just felt... I couldn't get my head around it and I wasn't sure how I was going to deal with it. And this was very much at the very beginning. And it was only after kind of seeing other stories and things, I started to kind of get my head around it and, and see. But also, as, it, as alien as it was for me, it also was for him because he was like, oh, so my genes are going to be mixed with someone who I, I don't know either. And um, I remember us sitting in the kitchen at our old house. And I remember really vividly having this conversation where I was getting to a point where I was, look, I need to make a decision on whether this is an option for us because I, I needed my almost my plan B in my head to know that there is still a chance of me becoming a mom. And he said, I don't know whether I'm ever going to be okay with that. And then that was kind of a huge thing as a couple to get your head around. And I was thinking to myself, okay, so if the only way I can be a mom is through this and you're not willing to do that, what does that mean? <laughs> And it's huge. And, and thankfully, over the course of the, the next few months, he, he did come round to it. And I think it helped him seeing someone else who had been through it. And I think he started to, again, realise that we could still have all of those things that, that we'd wanted. Um, but yeah, I think it, it can be difficult in some ways. But I, I think also, once he had come to terms with it, it I then had that support there as well so I think equally I, I can imagine how difficult it must be when you're going it on your own and you're having to make those decisions and that's why it's so important to find those other people who have been there or are going through it at the same time because they will truly understand how you're feeling and and actually I think sometimes I kept things from Matt because I wasn't sure he'd truly understand how I was feeling um but yeah, like, like I say, finding other people definitely helped me to be able to express some of those fears. I think it's a really important point because I think quite often we just presume it's easier in a partnership because you've got that other person. And it's, um, it's useful to always remember, in my mind, some things are easier, some things are harder. And it's just a useful perspective to keep in your mind because it is tempting to always look at the version where it seems like it would be easier if there's another person. Um, so you talk about um, yeah, the importance of um, connecting with other people in the same position. So how did that come about for you? How did you connect with someone? Well, mine was, um, it was all pre-Instagram community and, and I hadn't found that. Um, I would search the forums. So I think I found somebody through Netmums at the time. Um, and at first I started searching the forums and I was looking for hope. I was looking for those stories where people had beaten the odds. And I didn't really want to hear the stories about those who had then made the decision to use a donor because I wasn't ready for that. Um, and I found this lady who actually didn't live too far away from me and we got chatting um, she was so supportive and she never once pushed me towards donor eggs even though 
she'd got a little boy um, after a, a long journey like my own. And, and she would always just say, you'll know if you're ready. And, and that was the best thing because I was able to kind of voice my fears to her. She wouldn't push me in any particular direction, but she would empathize. She'd validate how I was feeling. And we finally met up one day and I, I met her little boy and that was like, it was such an amazing, I remember getting back in the car and I, I cried because I could just see what the future could be like. Um, and yeah, eventually when we did make that decision, she said, I told you you'd get there when you were ready. And um, yeah, she was there throughout the whole thing. I'm still friends with her now. And um I don't know whether I would have got there without it, to be honest, um, without being able to find those stories. Um, I did go along to a donor conception network evening um, and um, I didn't, it, it was too early in my process. Um, we weren't ready. I think we jumped on it because it was there as an option and we just weren't at that stage. But I think maybe further down the line, I, I may have done that if I hadn't have met this person um but it's just all part of the kind of inspiration for what i'm doing now is is to connect people with others and and it may be that people are in kind of different the same path to parenthood but in very different situations so like you you're you're kind of supporting those people who are going through solo motherhood um have people who come to me who already have a genetic child that then want to have a second child but they can only do it through donor conception and there's another whole range of complex feelings there um so it's yeah, it, it's, it's such a broad topic and there's so many different stories within donor conception that having a space to bring it all together, which is what I'm, I've now created with Pastor Parent Hub, um, I just think it's really important for anyone who's starting out on that journey so that they don't have to do it on their own and they've got other people to kind of be their tribe right from the beginning. Absolutely. Okay, so top tip for someone who's at the point where they're trying to decide whether using donor eggs is the right decision for them, reach out to other people who've done it and hear their stories and get the support that way. Absolutely. And I think counselling is key as well, especially when you're having to come to terms with the loss of your genetics. And, and it, it's a loss, even though it's not a visible loss. And that's something I really struggled with at the time. I kept feeling like I was overreacting and that what's wrong with me why can't I just shake this off and it was only through speaking to a counsellor where I felt in a safe space to be able to voice those those fears that people don't talk about out loud that you almost some fears that you feel shallow for thinking about and that are very real fears and it's only when I kind of talk about them on a post and everyone goes oh you've just written down what's in my head that it it's just worth doing that because if you bottle it all up inside um and don't talk about it. Um, it kind of builds up that feeling of shame, I think. And I think if you're going down this path on your own and you, you've got fears and you're worried and you're not talking to anybody, you can definitely feel very alone. And it can then make those conversations with your child even more difficult in the future. Um, so I think being able to talk openly with people is so important and uh, to not be afraid just to find those, those safe spaces to voice those, those fears. And, and that's what I've tried to create. So. I totally agree. And I think for solo mums, they've, many have gone through that process of letting go and grieving for the idea of 
how they thought they'd start a family with a partner and then to find now they've got an added layer that they need to think about okay now I have to also think about the genetics it's just I think a lot of women think it's not fair I'm sure that that's what a lot of people think but I've I've already had to get through this and now I'm tackling this um so um I absolutely agree talking it through with people who've gone through it and um possibly a counsellor who's specialised in this area um, can definitely be really beneficial. Um, so you said, Becky, that you went through five rounds of IVF with your own eggs before you decided to go um, and to, to use donor eggs. Did you have an idea at the beginning or were you just continuing time after time? Like what was the decision making process around that? Well, to be honest, I, I think our clinic would have been a bit clearer at the beginning. Um, I think we were probably given a little bit of false hope around it. And the, the focus was always on my age. I said, if we can get some eggs, there will be good quality because of your age. And um, I think we believed that. And at the very beginning, even though we, I don't know, I'm trying to remember the first time somebody mentioned donor eggs. I don't think it was on the first cycle. I think it may have been on the second or third, but I'd done my own research anyway. So I kind of knew that could be where it goes. And, and I was in denial at first. I, and so was Matt. He was, and, and he's very, he was very logical numbers focused. I was very emotionally driven. And I suppose in a way it kind of balanced it out, but it was quite frustrating at times. <laughs> so yeah it took it took those cycles and i i remember i think it was on cycle four as sitting in with the consultant and saying look can you put it in percentage chances for us just to kind of give us an idea because one thing i, I remember saying to um the doctors i said i wish you'd just be able to say like one way or the other and just almost take the decision out of my hands because as as long as there was a chance that like it was it felt really hard to choose to let go of my own eggs. Um, and I almost just wanted someone to say, look, it's not going to work. Your best chances with donor eggs. And it was when we asked the question around um, percentage chances that they said, look, you've probably got around a 5% chance with your own eggs. With donor eggs, you're looking at a 50 to 60% chance. Wow. And so taking out all of the emotions and you look at that on paper, that, I think that's where Matt started to think a little bit differently, actually. Um, you start to realise that you've got like 10 times more chance of it working and you look at where you are and you think, right, okay, we feel stuck here. We're not moving on with our lives. We want to be a family and that's the end goal. Now we may have to change how we get there. And um, I always, I hate the phrase plan B because I never want my girls to think that they are plan B or second best because they're not, they're what we always wanted. But plan B was the path we had to take to get there. And um, yeah, it did always feel like there was another hurdle put in the way each time. And I imagine that's even greater for people who are kind of going through that choice to be a mom and going solo because you've, you've already had to kind of, give up so much in terms of what you've always dreamed of and and I'd also imagine that there's also the the concern and I hear this a lot when it comes to donor eggs is what will people think so you've got that element in terms of what will people think about me doing this alone but then you've got your questions around what will people think about the lack of genetic connection and using a donor and it's it's a lot to take in it's a lot to think about and 
I was really, really lucky that my family was so supportive and they, I was always very open. I'm a pretty open book anyway. I can't really hide anything. And they almost went on the journey with us and knew that this was potentially an option and they kind of picked me up and grieved with me on each cycle. Um, so I never had to have the conversation where I sat them down and said, right, just to let you know we're doing this. It was all really gradual. But I think that can be quite daunting for a lot of people when you're having to give that information. And that's why one of the things I'm focusing on next year as part of Pastor Parenthood is talking to friends and family and different ways in which we can do so. Um, and even trying to create something that people can use and say to their family member, look, I, I need to tell you something. This is what we're doing. I haven't got the words to put it. I feel very emotional, but here's something you can watch and you can learn more. And that's what I want to try and create for people to give them the tools that they can start these conversations because they're not easy. <laughs> and often you're so emotional about it. You can't even say what you want to say because, um, it's it's such an emotional topic so so yeah I feel like I've I've gone off the question there from what you were doing. that's an amazing idea that's something I'm also doing on telling people that you're deciding on solo motherhood so actually it'll be really good to have both of those um available um okay. yeah split them out a bit and say say okay I'm gonna be a solo mum and then wait a bit and say okay this is also it but um, yeah. it's so helpful because so many people do want support on how to share this story in a positive way so I think that'll be really good um yeah so we were talking about um making the decision to use donor eggs so i get so many people coming to me to say um i think what you mentioned you know i've been told that i've got a five percent chance with my own eggs shall i have a go with my own eggs or shall i just go straight to using donor eggs have you got any advice about how to try to make that decision i think it depends on so much and not just the percentage chance i think you've got to look at finances is a huge thing when it comes to ivf because it's not just small pots of money it's quite often your savings and and that i mean we said at one point that that's we want our child to go to university one day like how many more cycles are we going to have um but yes the finances is a big thing emotionally i think whether and this is again talking it through with the counselor whether you're ready to close the door on your own eggs at that point or whether you need that feeling that you've given it everything and you've tried and I know everyone feels differently about that um I thought I mean we could have kept going with mine and we could have kept going it, it was more the my mental health was a big a big factor um I just couldn't see how I was going to get through any more cycles and, and also the time loss. I felt like I was stuck. I really struggled with balancing it all with work and I've always been quite career driven and, and I felt very guilty all the time that I just couldn't be who I'd been before um, because it just consumed me. And um, I think if I'd have carried on, I probably would have left my job mm. and I don't think that would have been any good for me either. So I think it, it it's so personal you've just got to think about your emotions how you might feel if you don't um i still believe if you if you have a child i don't think you'd ever look back and say i, I wish i didn't have this child i think that that's different but you may if you feel like you're always going to wonder what would have happened on an ivf cycle with your own eggs and you can afford to do it and you feel emotionally ready to do it then and and the consultant's willing to do it because sometimes 
they will probably give you more of a realistic view um then then do it but i think it, it's just but if if you're at that point in time where you don't want to waste any more time and you want to give yourself the best chance of being a mum and being able to do all of those things that you've always wanted to do then donor eggs is is kind of the, the option that's going to probably make it happen sooner um, yeah, that's really good advice though on like balancing those different considerations i think that's really helpful for people who are who are trying to make this decision and then you said you went to the czech republic to have your treatment what was the decision making process to to get to the czech republic so yeah again it was so many different factors there, was, there wasn't just one particular reason um so we had been so earlier on in the process and i can't remember which cycle it was on but we we decided to join the waiting list for donor eggs at our local clinic um in the uk um and it was more just as a look let's just get on there because we knew there was a bit of a waiting list and hopefully we won't need it but it's worth being on the list and um and then it was almost like, I think it was about 11 months, 10, 11 months later when we made the decision to go down that route and we said to the consultant and we spoke to the donor coordinator and we were no further, we weren't any closer to the top than we were <laughs> 10 months earlier. We were told by one person it could be three months, then another person said it could be six months, another person said it could be up to a year. And just the, like I said, the, the emotional toll it had already taken on me and I don't think I could have just sat there and waited. I would have then felt I was always, I was only happy when I was doing something or I had a plan in place. And, and I think I would have then been thinking, oh, well, maybe I should keep trying with my eggs while we're waiting. And it, I think it would have spiraled. So we, we started to look at other options. Um, another consideration was finances because we, like I said, we'd had five rounds of IVF. Only one of those was funded. Um, and that we had to battle for that as well, um, based on my hormone levels. And so we we were looking at different options. To be honest, I didn't look at much else in the UK. I didn't realise that there was, it's bizarre, I looked abroad, but I didn't look at London, for example. Um, and it was only because I'd heard of other people who'd been abroad. And we held some Skype consultations with um, clinics in Cyprus, Greece, Spain and Czech Republic and and I basically built a spreadsheet and this was on our honeymoon <laughs> of all places where I was kind of comparing um things such as success rates um what donors are screened for which to be honest across they're all very very similar there's not much in it so it's not really a decision making factor in a way um and then the other thing was logistics so how could we work it around work and how often were flights and and cost and all of those different things and and then it came down to gut feel as we had a skype consultation and we we just had a really good feeling about this clinic in the czech republic and um we we could move pretty quickly with it and things just kind of felt right um now there was another consideration around anonymity um and to be honest with you, it's not a lot I knew about it at the time. Um, and I didn't do too much research into it. So I know a lot more now. Um, I could never answer the question as to whether I'd do anything differently because it's hard to imagine not having my girls. Um, but I do find I, I wish I had more information about our donor now. And I do um, wish that they had that option to trace who they are when they're older, if they wish to do so. And I think that's something I've... I've become more comfortable with now that I'm a mum 
I definitely had some fears around the donor back then. I think that I hadn't worked through. Um, I felt quite threatened that they might potentially replace me one day and all of those fears that come alongside it. And now I realise that everything we've had every single day cannot be replaced. It, the memories we've made, the bonds we've formed, I'm always going to be their mum. And they're they do have the capacity to hold space for someone else and to understand that 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 role is there and I think ultimately I want them to have access to their medical history I will, if they want to know a bit more about that person who gave us her eggs to create them then I, I just want them to have that option and um, I do find comfort in the fact that DNA testing is becoming more widely available more common and the fact that people are saying and the experts are saying that donor anonymity is no more um, I do think that on reflection there are greater risks that come alongside using an anonymous donor um, just from having listened to different perspectives from people who are donor conceived um, and feel that they should have the right to know um, so I think there is a greater risk there that the girls might want to know more and can't but I think the what we can do as a parent and what I intend to do is fully support them if they choose to find out more um, not make them feel bad for it <laughs> not make them feel that they're upsetting me for feeling that way um, and to allow them that space to ask questions um, and I think if they do want to do a DNA test in the future then we'll support them with that I think it's also important to manage expectations as well and um, just be really open and honest. I'll be really honest about the reasons we chose to go abroad. Um, and it's about showing that vulnerability and being honest about things that were quite difficult at the time and reflecting and, and letting them see that you are open to having these conversations with them. And I mean, ultimately we wanted them so badly that we, we were willing to do whatever it took um, to get them. So yeah, lots packed into that. Um, I think it's an individual decision. I think, again, it's another one, a good one to work through with a counsellor. Um, I think whenever you go down the donor route, it's never going to feel 100%. Um, I think you'll always have doubts, particularly even if you've made the decision. And even when you're pregnant, you will always worry about the unknown, um, probably until you, you've got them in your arms. But um, I think it's the decision's got to be right enough for you. Yeah, and you've got to be able to kind of accept the decision you make and, and then um, do your best with that decision to support them. So, so yeah, a long-winded answer to that one, but I just wanted to cover all of those different aspects because it is a complex decision. And I don't believe anybody goes abroad simply to circumvent the child ever being able to find the donor. Um, I think sometimes circumstance means that that is the only option for us to have a child. Um, so yeah I think it's super helpful so I think for people trying to make this decision right now about what the options are that will be really useful for them to help them make a decision and just um around anonymous egg donation do you just know some sort of physical characteristics or do you get any information about it Again, it depends on which country you go to. So um, I didn't really realise there was that much difference at the time. So I think the countries I looked at in terms of Spain, um, Greece and the Czech Republic tend to be quite basic characteristics. And we didn't, we weren't given a list of people to choose from. Um, we were 
basically I had to fill in a form and I put down my, my hair colors, so brown hair, green eyes, my heights and weights, um, and then anything else that we particularly wanted. And it was all very, very standard really. And we didn't actually find out about the donor until the cycle had begun because they want to make sure that she's stimulating properly before they give you the details. So that was quite a difficult time, but we eventually managed to get the information from them a bit sooner than they wanted to give us. Um, but that basically matched me on paper. So I, that made me feel more comfortable um, that we'd kind of ticked all of those boxes. But I think you kind of realize at that stage, you, there is an element of sadness because you realize it isn't you. Um, it's a really complex set of emotions during that time because you're so hopeful, yet you still feel that little bit of sadness. And it, it's perfectly natural that certain points of that journey will bring those back to the surface. And, and I definitely felt that around that stage. And um, so, yeah, we only knew basic criteria, but I know, I know of Keely who is trying to be a mom on Instagram. She's been to Russia and they were looking through, they had letters, they had childhood pictures. They were able to find out lots of information and they've done filled in questionnaires. And it's, it, and again, I think sharing my reflections, cause it might help somebody else. I, at the time, I think, that helped me not knowing much. Um, I preferred to keep the donor at arm's length because I was still kind of processing it, I, I think. And it's only now that I wish I knew a bit more and I have actually tried to get some more information out of my clinic. I'm waiting at the moment just to try and paint a bit more of a picture for the girls. And I hear stories from people who have got letters from their donors and things like that. And I kind of do, I do wish that I had something like that to share with them. But yeah, I think it's just, I'd always advise people to find out those sorts of information it's easy to look at things like success rates and everything else but if that's important to you and it's different for everybody to know you need to find out early on what information do you get at what point do you get that information because i remember struggling a lot with the fact that i didn't know anything about the donor even though we were in the middle of the cycle until just before egg collection um and then on the other side, when you, once you've had that child, um, I don't think you will ever look back and go, oh, what if we'd have had a different donor? Because you, you love that child and they are who they are and, and they're themselves. And they're not the donor and, and my husband. They are Mila, Esker and Lena. And you just wouldn't change them for the world. But at the time, and I think you were talking about this with me recently, it can feel like the biggest decision you've ever made in your whole life. And it feels enormous. And yet, Later on, it doesn't feel anywhere near as big, does it? Uh, yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think sometimes when you're in it, and this is the same with um, choosing a sperm donor for people who are choosing a sperm donor, um, you th your thinking, your initial thoughts often are what do you want to choose and what's important to you. But it's a really good advice to think about when you're sharing those decisions with a future child, what do you want to be able to share with them? And it's only in hindsight sometimes that, you're like, that you think about that. So it's good advice to give people so they can factor it into their decision making absolutely and if I'm really honest at the time I was so tunnel visioned on having a baby I didn't really I almost didn't allow myself to think further than that because you almost don't want to hope too much and it's realizing that you're not only are you doing this to have a baby you're doing it to have a child who will then become a teenager and then an adult <laughs> and that's something that I think is lost and, and this is what I always say about the support from clinics I think it it needs to go further in terms of 
allowing people to realize that this decision isn't just a one-time decision it's a it's a lifelong decision and it's going to inform your child um and how they came to be right from the start and i think there, there's a lot of things i wish i'd have probably known a bit more about or been more aware of um at the time that would have i think helped me through that and helped me think about different things um which is why i try and share now to try and kind of allow my reflections to maybe reach some other people and so yeah talking about sharing so you have just recently set up paths to parent hub so tell us a little bit about that and how um people might benefit from that if they're thinking about doing a conception absolutely so it's um Originally, I started this year, 2020, with the vision of launching some events to try and meet some people in real life and bring some support to people. Um, and obviously, because of COVID, that had to be cancelled. But um, it, I'm actually really pleased it was because it allowed me to then focus down on trying to reach more people. And so I've created this online platform, Paths to Parent Hub, um, which focuses on support and connection for donor conception. Um, and it's for whatever stage of the journey you're at. So whether you're at the very beginning, you're making a decision, you may be going through treatment, you might now be pregnant with a donor conceived child and kind of wondering about that and the different fears and, and hopes and feelings that come up along the way. Or you might be parenting now and you want to connect with other people who are who have children through donor conception. And it's just an alternative way of doing so. So obviously there is the donor conception network um, who have of such a vast amount of resources um, but what I've tried to create is something that allows you to listen to different information from different experts on different topics um, you can dip in and out of the ones that feel appropriate for you at the stage you're at um, there's support on there so I have a, a specialized um, counselor directory which um, features counselors from Beaker who are um, who have experience in donor conception so I have that on there as well for support um, and then the big thing is the community so um, we have an app and it just allows people to connect with others who are going through donor conception and it allows them to do it in a private space because I think often social media is great but it can be it can be quite brutal <laughs> i'm thinking of some facebook groups in particular um, i'm great for getting information but i think if you're wanting to share some things that are quite personal to you and you want to talk to other people um in a safe space i think that that's what i've tried to create where people are supporting others and non-judgmental um and people are allowed to feel how they want to feel um so yeah it's all about support connection and information so i have monthly webinars on different topics so it's things like talking to your child about donor conception in the younger years how that might adapt as they grow we focused on epigenetics which is a fascinating topic if you're using donor eggs to kind of really understand how you can influence your child um, we focused on how might my child feel so i've got a session next month around um, with some donor conceived adults sharing their different stories as well um, so basically just trying to cover anything and everything to do with donor conception in an accessible and personal way where people can ask questions, they can interact as much or as little as they want, or they can sit back and just absorb the information. Um, but yeah, I've been delighted with how it's been received and, and the community is already thriving. And, and it's just, I think it's two months now since I launched. So yeah, I'm looking forward to over the next year, hoping I can reach more people. Um, and eventually my ultimate goal is that clinics will be offering this to people as they go through their treatment. And that, that means that they're offering a more holistic approach in terms of not just 
the practical side of, of getting you pregnant, but also the looking after the emotional side as well. So, so important. I think it will be helping. Well, it definitely is helping so many. So, um, yeah, really great. And I think if you're a solo mum looking at this, um, if you, you can go and actually see some of the specific webinars, can't you? You can choose just any of the webinars that are relevant. You can. So you can either join as a member where you get access to all the webinars. The other thing I didn't mention was the live chat. So I hold a monthly live chat with uh, people who share their personal stories so it's kind of bringing the experts and the personal stories together and I know you Mel you spoke on one last night with me um all about solo motherhood um so yeah people can either um join as a member to access everything in the community or if there's just a particular webinar that you want to watch back or you want to join live um you can pay as you go almost and just join so we've had quite a few people um just joined the epigenetics one who wanted to learn a bit more about that and then people who are now parenting have, have then joined the um talking to your child webinar so it's just a way to educate yourself a little bit find out that information and, and you can do it just from the comfort of your own home um and with people all over the world so i've got people from um the us and canada and all over europe as well who've joined I love that. I love how global the community is as well. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so fascinating. And I really think it will be so helpful for people who are at the position where they're deciding if this is the right route for them. So it's so lovely to chat to you. Thanks, Becky. Thank you. I've loved chatting to you. And um, yeah, um, I think it's just really important for us to keep these conversations going, isn't it? If you've enjoyed this episode of the Stalker Night podcast, I'd hugely appreciate if you rate, review and subscribe. I look forward to seeing you again next week.